Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. And now here's your host, Don Smith. Hey, thank you, Brad Smith, for that great introduction. And thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today for another Don Smith Show, where it's always okay to be a conservative. An amazing lineup here on the program today. We've got Colonel Allen West. Always love uh, sitting down and talking to him. I actually spoke with him this Wednesday, and a lot of exciting stuff going on in his life, and in been far too long since I've had him on last. Also, we have ATR President, Mr. Grover Norquist. We're going to talk about the way the government is handling uh, everything with the coronavirus when it comes to financial stuff, uh, talking about how uh, removing government regulations is obviously uh, allowing us to provide better health care uh, to more people. And so it makes you kind of wonder, why do we have those regulations in the first place? And also, as always, he is my good friend. He is the editor from peoplespunditdaily.com. His name is Richard Barris. We'll have him on the program as well. A lot of stuff to cover here this week. Um, more insanity, seeing a lot of lockdowns. A lot of concern about that. I mean, where do we come out on the other end of this uh, when this is all over, the scare is done, and um, what happens to those freedoms, the ones that uh, we're kind of losing here right now. So just a ton of stuff to cover here, just two hours to do it in. Folks, you know what time it is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! And so here we are back for another two hours again. Colonel Allen West, we've got Grover Norquist and also my good friend, Mr. Richard Barris on the program. Great to have you all here. I want to talk about this because there's a couple things in this story here that I really want to highlight. And I think you've all heard about the insider trading. This is a problem that I've always had with politicians is the financial stuff, right? I mean, you get, you get somebody like everybody remembers Senator Harry Reid, right? Remember him? So this is a guy who spent his entire life pretty much in politics. When he got in, he ran as the guy who had no money and he was the huge underdog kind of thing and uh, wasn't a millionaire, didn't have really any money to his name at all. But within a couple of years of being elected, he went from the underdog not having any money at all to being, well, that's right, a millionaire. It happens over and over again. We watch it all the time. We see this play out. You know, I think this I think this really has a lot to do with the election of President Trump is people sick and tired of of those that I mean, remember the Charlie Wrangle stuff, right? He had this private resort in the Caribbean and uh, you, you go, huh? How does that even make sense? But I think Harry Reid to me has always been the big story and that the best example of it. Uh, he literally got elected on the point of. He was a guy with no money. He was just a, you know, he was just the average Joe, and yeah, and then he gets elected and becomes a millionaire pretty quickly. There's a reason that this happens. 
I mean, if you're in Congress, you, have, you know right now that everybody sitting in Washington, D.C. has far more information than any of the American people do on the actual what's really going on with this coronavirus. I think, I think we get told what, what they feel we need to be told, and I don't think there's anything more to it other than that. If you've been in the military, uh, you've had any kind of security clearance, you know the same thing applies there. You always have more information um, than the average American does just because of you, the need to have that, right? So if you're in the Senate, if you're, you know, if you're, in, if you're in Congress at all, You've got a lot more information than most Americans. You get it a lot quicker. Uh, you know things in advance. Remember, this is what Martha Stewart went to jail for, was insider trading. So let me just read a little bit of the story. And again, there's a couple points I want to make here. Here's, this is on MarketWatch. Two senators are under fire for selling stock before the coronavirus market crash. But do insider trading laws apply? Senators Richard Burr and Kelly Loeffler sold stocks before the stock market crash amid allegations that they had access to non-public information about the severity of the coronavirus pandemic. Two U.S. senators are facing intense criticism and accusations of potential insider trading on reports that they sold stocks while allegedly having early access to information on the threats posed by the coronavirus. Now, a couple points. First of all, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, they have inside information they have to based on their position as an elected official and then, of course, drafting bills and all these things that can deal with it. So that's understandable that they would have more information than you and I would. The problem is when it's about money, right? So here you've got this, uh, this Leffler who sold like $3 million worth of, worth of stocks uh, just ahead of, uh, of all the, the, the crash, Right, what we've been watching this horrible ride on the stock market, which is way down uh, levels below uh, even before President Trump was elected. So, here's the first problem I'm going to point out: two senators are under fire for selling stock. Now, that's actually not true. There's actually three of them, but see, the third is a Democrat. So we really don't want to talk about Senator Dianne Feinstein, who did this exact same thing. We don't want to talk about her. Let's just make it about the two Republicans. This is the media, folks. We all know this. Uh, we all know how this works out. Senator Richard Burr, a Republican from North Carolina, chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, reportedly sold between 500000 and $1.5 million in stock during February, according to reports from news sites ProPublica and the Center for Responsive Politics. Ahead of the sales, he co-wrote an opinion piece saying the country was better prepared than ever before for the virus. Senator Kelly Loeffler, a Republican from Georgia, also allegedly sold off stock and made eye-raising purchases too, according to the Daily Beast. Okay, so this is a huge problem. And I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. Now, apparently, MarketWatch really does care because if you're a Democrat, well, they're not even going to talk about you. Let's talk about the Republicans. I don't care. If you're a crook, you're a crook. Whether there's an R next to your name, whether there's a D next to your name, to me, it really doesn't matter. A crook is a crook, and this is crooked. So two points to this story. Number one, it's all wrong. Number two, there's not a single mention of Senator Dianne Feinstein. This is what the media does. This is why people in, are indoctrinated into thinking the Republicans are the evil rich people and Democrats. They just care about the people, right? But I got I to gotta do this because I'm going to praise Tucker Carlson. If you watched his program last night, he addressed this, and good for him. 
because we need to address this. I don't care, again, if it's a pox in our own house, and I don't care if it's on the other side. If you're a crook, you're a crook, period. There's no out because you, I belong to the same party as you. I saw all over social media yesterday, because most of the articles dealt with exactly like MarketWatch did. This was about two Republicans. So anytime somebody brought up uh, Diane Feinstein did the same thing, nope, it was completely different what she did. Completely different. It wasn't. It was the exact same thing. But this is what they do. They say it's completely different. Well, no, Senator Diane Feinstein, you know, whatever. And then they have all these reasons. They create all these reasons in their mind why it doesn't apply to them. It doesn't apply to any Democrat. It doesn't apply to, in this case, specifically, Senator Diane Feinstein. Well, it certainly does. It applies to all of them. But this is liberalism, folks, is being able to justify. Look at what they're doing with President Trump right now, right? They're trying to create panic. They're trying to bait him and goad him. Um, we'll have some of those clips later, later in the program, but it's perfectly justified. This is, it's no more complicated than this. Every single thing that the left does is based on the covet, based on the theme that the ends justifies the means. Therefore, any criminal activity, any, any, anything is okay as long as you're working and you're benefiting the Democrat Party. Um, Harvey Weinstein, everybody knew about this for 20 years, and it really wasn't a problem until they decided it was. He was one of the largest bundlers for the Obama administration for his campaigns uh, in 2008 and 2012. So therefore, let's just kind of overlook this because he's really doing a lot of really good stuff for the Democrats, right? But I got to praise Tucker Carlson again because he addressed this thing head on and somebody needed to do this. And it was actually somebody on our side who did this, somebody on the right. And here is the first clip. Here, here is his discussion with Ms. Leffler. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. So you, you said you received notice of this. You got the list of the stocks that have been sold and the two that were purchased on February 16th. So not that long after that. So you knew, I mean, wow, they're selling a, they're selling a, lot, of, a lot of equities here. I want to put on, uh, on our screen for our viewers a video that you released after you learned this. And here it is. Okay, so before I play the clip, so this is the video of her uh, letting the American people know that everything's fine. There's nothing to panic about. She is already aware of the fact that $3 million in stock was sold out out of her portfolio. Now, see, here's what they do. See, what they do is they turn these finances over to a, to a group that will handle their finances. We're to believe that there's no involvement. That right, I don't know anything about it. Yes, you do. First of all, if you're turning over $3 million worth of stock, to somebody that you have absolutely no say in what they do with it, um, that's probably not really bright. You know, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Probably don't want to do that. So we're to believe that there's actually no involvement. So when she goes into a meeting, uh, learns some high-level details about what's going to happen, uh, sees obviously that the, if, you're, if you pay attention to the stock market, if you're familiar with how it works, which she obviously is, um, again, $3 million worth of stocks, then – you know, so you're sitting in this meeting and you're going, my, my whole portfolio is going to tank here. We're to believe that she walks out of that meeting and never says anything to anybody handling her money. See, I'm not buying that. But, but here's the clip that she put out. Now, keep in mind, she is already in possession of the knowledge 
that the stock market's going to have some really tough times. She's already taken action, or uh, we're supposed to believe that the people handling her account uh, took the action. Here's what she had to say to the American people. The consumer is strong. The economy is strong. Jobs are growing. Our president has done a fantastic job making sure that we're in the best position to manage through this situation. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So I think there what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know there's some people out there listening with a lot more knowledge about the stock market than I have, but that kind of sounds like maybe a, a buy, right? And it kind of sounds like a green light that, hey, everything's going to be just fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, more jobs as the economy's exploding, which at the time it still was. Because, again, they have more information than we do, and they have a precursor to what's actually going to happen, something that most of us don't. So really fascinating. So, so here is the next clip. So I, I wonder, I mean, you, you said you looked at this and you spent all those years in business and you noticed that they're dumping retail, for example. Well, people weren't doing that. I mean, some were, but most weren't. And then you issued a video saying that the economy is totally fine. Do you, in retrospect, think maybe you should have hinted that maybe it's not fine, obviously. I mean, just by your, your portfolio sheet, you know. Absolutely correct. So maybe, maybe. You shouldn't come out and tell everybody else that everything's perfectly fine. Don't worry about any of this stuff. But here's the real point. You're a business person. You spent your whole life in business. You've obviously had a lot of involvement in the stock market, in, in buying, selling of stocks. You see anything at any time, including $3 million worth of transactions. There's going to be at least, at a very minimum, there's going to be a red flag that goes up that says, wow, that's a whole lot of activity, right? This isn't, you know, this isn't complicated. So this is, again, same thing that Martha Stewart went down for. She had some inside information, um, caused her to do her, her trades like she did, and it ended her in prison. But these are politicians. They're allowed to get away with it. There, there, was, a, there was a bill, and I don't have it up in front of me right now, but so I'm just kind of going from memory here. Because this became an issue before, right? This has been a long-standing issue. There's been a lot of conversation about it. So Congress got together and, in an effort to police themselves, passed some new regulations. But in these regulations, they said, okay, so, so I'm Harry Reid, and I'm sitting in this high-level meeting, and um, these, all these things are happening, and I know that this is going to happen, and it's going to have this impact on maybe this specific segment in the stock market. So politicians, then they say, okay, well, let's just do this then. How about we can't make those transitions? Me as Harry Reid, as she's in the name. Me as Harry Reid, I can't make these transactions. However, they put a provision in that bill that said, but my family members can. So if you're Joe Biden, let's use Joe Biden's name. So Joe gets this information, and he hops on a plane to China with his son Hunter. See, he can't do anything However, Hunter, who now has the exact same information, is perfectly fine. He can, per- he can do anything he wants to. So it's a simple phone call. Hey, hey, Hunter, something's going on over here. Why don't you buy, why don't you buy a million dollars worth of Boeing or you know, whatever it is? So they actually put a provision in that their children, that their spouses, that family members are able to act on this. So now what you're really getting, getting is you're spreading classified information because the only way I can do this transaction is to go through a family member, so i got to tell them everything that's going on. Sounds like a fantastic system, doesn't it? But here's the point, and this is my last clip on uh, Tucker Carlson and, and this Luffler. This is why President Trump got elected. President Trump got elected because he is not the typical politician. 
you heard that. Obviously, you heard that yesterday at the press conference. And again, we will have some clips on that as well uh, later in the show. So here's the situation. So she's responding to this. Now, she's busted. If you saw that interview last night, she was completely busted. She's done like a number of interviews right now. And if I was doing her PR, I would absolutely recommend she do no more interviews because... (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty bad. The look on her face, you can see her eyes, it's the whole thing. The body language is not good. So, you know, it, it, the situation is this. She goes immediately into professional politician mode, right? Right. So, oh, I think we really need to focus. I'm focused on taking care of the people in Georgia. And what, by lying to them? By lying to them? No, you're, you're taking care of yourself. That's what you're taking care of. But listen to this exchange because this is everything wrong with politics. Everything wrong with politics. This is why President Trump won, even though uh, the grabber by the, you know, all that stuff. But people went, yeah, but at least he's a real person. At least he's not acting. He's not playing a role. Check this out. The situation has dramatically changed in the space of three months. I think none of us could have predicted where we would be today. And I think that's why it's important that I'm not involved in stock transactions. I don't want to have to explain my actions three months ago that I don't need to take if I can. Well, no, 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 no. This wasn't. Oh, hold on. I'm, so, I'm sorry. With, with respect, this wasn't three months ago. This was a month ago, on February 16th or 17th, when you received this sheet. Did it trip any bells for you? I mean, you can read a balance sheet. Obviously, it's what you did all of your life until recently. Did you think right. maybe this portends something ominous for the economy? Did that thought cross your mind? Tucker, this is the kind of normal course for managing portfolios. Some, some months you have buys okay. and sells. Some months you have buys. Some months you have sells. I trust the professionals that manage our portfolio. I don't get involved there. I don't have a say. I don't want to have a say. I want to focus right. on my work for Georgians. We oh, should be talking about coronavirus right now. We should be talking about coronavirus right now. See, here's the problem. Whenever there is a national emergency of any kind, no matter what it is, here's the problem is it dominates. So, so think about the, the impeachment hearings, right? How long they went on for several months. These things went on for actually, if you really look at it, went on for about three years, but, but intensely for, for several months where every day there was another uh, trial, they would carry it all day long. And it just completely dominates the news cycle, which is what's happening with coronavirus right now. So completely dominating the news cycle. This is the perfect time for somebody like Ms. Leffler to do what she's doing. This is the perfect time for Mr. Burr to do what he's doing because nobody's paying attention. They're all, oh, they're all over here looking at the shiny object. Look at the shiny object. Uh, hey, sell $3 million worth of stock. Shiny object, it's over here. Keep, keep looking at the shiny object. That's politics. That's everything wrong with politics. Right there, in a nutshell. But what did she do? So he didn't let her off the hook. And again, Bravo to Tucker Carlson. That was absolutely fantastic. Good for him. Um, more people need to do this. This is real journalism, folks. This is, this is really what you're supposed to do. So he doesn't let her off the hook. So what does she do? She pivots to, um, I need to be focusing on uh, the people of Georgia, and, and we should be talking about the coronavirus, not me being a crook. Yeah, well, no, he talked about you being a crook. And again, God bless him for that. That was absolutely fantastic. So... You know, is anything going to happen to these people because this is the next part of it? It's always the same thing, right? I mean, we watched what Comey did. We saw um, a lot of things that looked pretty bad. We saw 
uh, a lot of other government officials over the years. Look at the Clintons. Look at the Clintons, for Christ's sakes. Never, never held accountable. You're never held accountable as a politician. Yet they're going to try to blame uh, President Trump for every single thing that happens. And uh, But these people, not so much. Maxine Waters, I mean, she had a massive scam here a number of years ago. This was during uh, former President Obama's time where her husband right, was involved in all these dirty deals and all these uh, different things with banking and minority-owned banking, and um, she just skated. She just didn't, nothing touched her. Nothing touches these people. I'll, maybe because of the Republicans, maybe something will happen. Um, Market Watch didn't even think it was significant to even announce uh, anything about Senator Dianne Feinstein because, once again, the ends justifies the means, and she's a Democrat. She's a liberal. So, therefore, she does more good than harm, so let's forget about the bad things she does. I don't care if they're even illegal. We, we really don't care. So maybe because of the Republicans, maybe they will be held accountable. I, as a Republican, as a conservative, I hope they both are. I hope her and Burr are, but I also hope somebody, I don't know, maybe kind of at least checks out the whole Dianne Feinstein thing because I don't think it's good for one and not for the others. But that's my take on it. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think this is – uh, everything wrong in politics. I think not just the the actual activity that took place. Like there was no indicator. Nothing went off in her mind that said, wow, I wonder why they're selling $3 million worth of stock. She would never pick up the phone and say, hey, what's up with the $3 million worth of stock sales? See, I think she would. I don't believe that she would never communicate with them. I don't believe that they made those transactions on their own, out of their own uh, uh, intuition or whatever you whatever you may call it. But it is what it is, and this is the system that we have, and I don't know of a better system, but somehow we've got to get our handles on this. So let's talk about the media, because again, uh, they're only going to highlight what the Republicans are doing wrong, and they're blaming President Trump for every single thing that's going on. But here's one thing that I'm finding completely fascinating throughout this entire coronavirus thing. Suddenly, suddenly, China is, is supposed to be praised. China is, I mean, these guys, do you, do you, have you ever really realized, I, this is what I'm wondering, this is a communist country, have you ever really realized what a, what, a, what a humanitarian country this is? I mean, just, I mean, they're world leaders. I mean, these people are absolutely spectacular. They're wonderful people, wonderful human beings, saving lives all over the world. Now, okay, Wuhan, China is where this started. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to exactly how it started, um, what was the procedure, was this like a biological chemical thing going wrong, or exactly what happened. But it did start in China, in Wuhan, China. First action President Trump took was to limit travel to and from China. Seems to, I don't know, kind of maybe make sense to me since that's where the infected people were at that time and maybe we don't want to fly them into the country or fly our people there to catch this thing and then bring it back. What was the first thing that was said? That's right. He's a racist. He hates the Chinese people. Now, how many times have you seen this guy on TV uh, with President Xi uh, saying that he's my friend? Um, have you ever heard uh, any kind of racism or I hate Chinese people or see, I haven't heard that. I'm pretty sure you haven't either because like it doesn't exist. So here we have our media, the United States of America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, all that stuff it doesn't apply to the media anymore because now we are a racist country where, and it's all because of president Trump, right? Because we, we were, we were good. 
under uh, Barack Obama, we, I mean, because he was just magnificent, and boy, did he, he really just set the world on fire, and he really created all these great friendships. Remember when, under Barack Obama, so this is the uh, Iraq-Afghanistan thing, but there was talk again about putting back together another coalition because, uh, oh, we all saw what happened. We saw that the uh, the Taliban and all these terrorists, they got back in, they created the ISIS thing, they created the caliphate, the whole, the whole nine yards, because of his actions that he took in Iraq by pulling our troops out and not leaving anybody there, uh, left, left military equipment behind, which, of course, was taken over by the ISIS people. And okay, So the talk was that they had uh, a coalition, right? Because George W. Bush, love him, hate him, whatever, did put together a legitimate coalition. So we had, we had all, tons of countries who were helping us. They had their troops there. They, had, they were all invested in one way or another. So, of course, the media w- would never point that out. Now, they certainly would today if this, if this came up again and President Trump was unable to put together a coalition, what have you. But Barack Obama lied about having a coalition. He said, no, and, and what it was 27 countries, I think, or 26 countries, maybe it was that George W. Bush had put together for his actual real coalition. I mean, it was Canadians and uh, Great Britain and people from all over who joined forces with the United States of America. So Barack Obama was asked a very, real softball question by the media about this. And he said, oh, yeah, we've got uh, uh, 27, uh, uh, 26. It was like the John Lovitz thing, right? You know, um, oh, yeah, to 27. We have one more than, than they did. We're even better than Bush on it, was what he was saying, even though he wasn't. So they were asked. One time he was asked this. This is really important. He was asked this question one time. He said, they asked the question to him was, Mr. President, can you tell us what countries are involved in this coalition? So he stammered, he hemmed and he hawed, and he finally said, well, we actually just got off the phone with Turkey. So he said, Turkey's on board. Tur- Turkey's, so Turkey was the only example provided in that answer. And then he said, oh, there's a lot of other countries. And everybody went, wow, that's fantastic. They would have been all over President Donald Trump. Give me the names. I must have names, right? I mean, they would have grilled this guy. Every single question to him in a press conference would have been based on that. So tell us more. Tell us more countries, more countries, until they got the name of every single country. President Obama asked one time, and he named one country, which was Turkey. Now, if you remember, Turkey immediately released a statement and said, uh, don't know what he's talking about. We had no conversation with anybody in the White House last night, and we are not on board on any coalition. We haven't even been asked to be on board with a coalition. Now, guess how many follow-up questions Barack Obama or anyone in his entire administration were asked about that? That's right. If, if, if you said zero, you win. Zero. Nobody was even, nobody even cared. They didn't even care about it. But now we're supposed to believe. So here's the same media. Same media. Listen to how they talk about, first of all, our president. Europe has few other options. Donald Trump's America First policy has seen a gradual worsening of the transatlantic alliance over issues like climate change, trade, and most recently over Trump's failure to consult Europe over the coronavirus travel ban, with China now stepping into the global leadership role long abandoned by the American president. We literally have media in the United States of America, the land of the free, 
home of the brave, trashing our president, blaming him for the situation in Europe um, because, you know, because of climate change. I mean, he pulled out of the Paris Accord, so there you go. There you go. People are dying in northern Italy because President Trump got us out of this horrible, horrible climate change deal. But don't you fear, folks, because China's here. China's here to save the day. Listen to this. It was China that came to the rescue as Italy shook, sending medical personnel, nine pallets of ventilators, electrocardiographs, and tens of thousands of masks all desperately needed by a healthcare system in crisis and appreciated by Italians stuck at home singing China's praise. Europe? That, that is absolutely fantastic. You know, so, so here's the thing, folks. Don't even wait for our government to do anything for you. China's got it, man. China cares. China's the communist country that cares. That's absolutely... Folks, this is CNN. Used to call themselves, actually, I think they still do call themselves the most trusted name in news. Praising China. Using propaganda from a literally a straight a state-controlled media. They're communist people. You've got, look at it, you've got people on the left who walk around with Che Guevara shirts on. Who think Mao was a great guy. Can you, just, you know, you don't want to bring up the World War II thing, but I'm going to do it here in this case. What would these people, if if Donald Trump were president, when all the stuff was going on in Germany, World War II, they, they would be taking his side. They would tell you how it's good that there's less Jewish people around the world now. This is unbelievable. I have never seen anything like this, nor could I have ever even imagined I would someday see something like this. It's amazing. So, you, just in case you're keeping score, United States bad, China good, communism good, capitalism bad, communism good. Maybe this is why Bernie Sanders, I don't know, maybe this is why he spent his honeymoon in the former Soviet Union. <laughs> Food for thought. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you can find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very 
very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information. Or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. And here is our newly remodeled hotel business center. Lobby disk drive computer, dot matrix printer, and modem. Modem? That's right. Dial up. Hello. Need a new way to work when you're on the road? Regis has over 1,100 professional business lounges. Access to meeting rooms with video conference studios. Private offices you can book by the hour or day. And a mobile app to find Regis locations. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Your mom's got your back. Your friends have your back. Your dog's definitely got your back. But who's got your back when you need legal help? We do. We're LegalZoom. And over the last 10 years, we've helped millions of people protect their families and run their businesses. We have the right people on hand to answer your questions, backed by a trusted network of attorneys. So visit us today for legal help you can count on. LegalZoom. Legal help is here. This is Don Smith from The Don Smith Show. As a conservative talk show host, there is one undeniable truth. Nobody is more uplifting and inspiring than the Democrats. I've always envied them for this. In fact, one could almost say with the new crop that has just come into Congress, they light up our lives. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. You give me hope to You know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical. You light up Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This is Chuck Woolery. You're listening to The Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. Hey, welcome 
Welcome back to the program again. Coming up, we've got Colonel Alan West. We've got the president of Americans for Tax Reform, Mr. Grover Norquist. And coming up in just a minute is my good friend. He's the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. His name is Richard Barris. So, you know, going through all this, just, these are incredible times, folks. Having the media praise China. Think about that. Let that sink in. But right now, while you're doing that, I'm going to bring on my guest. He is the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. His name is Rich Barris. And he's back live. Rich, welcome back to the show. Hey, my friend. Thanks for having me back. How's everybody doing this week? Oh, absolutely fantastic. As you well know, things are really going along great. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm living the dream. You know, we're going to, like, you know, Don, this uh, this will uh, pass. I think we're going to need some, some uh, voices here to make sure, uh, you know, we go about this the right way. But um, in the end, you know, it, it will get there. Yeah, exactly. So the big thing, I guess, on everybody's mind right now, um, well, it's coronavirus, but it's also watching the stock market. And uh, we got to watch our mutual friend, Mr. Tim Anderson, yesterday. I watched him do a couple interviews, and I I thought he really kind of had really a great take on it. And I want to play this clip, and then I want to get your reaction to what he had to say with Liz Clayman yesterday on uh, Fox Business. Here's Tim Anderson. Well, clearly, I mean, the market's taking a lot of direction from news that comes out of the daily White House briefings on the virus and going forward i think it's going to be watching the new outbreaks count very closely and if there's any other really extreme hot spots around the country where uh, things seem to be a little bit out of control in terms of the trading floor we're just you know we're just in a a a little bit of a holding pattern here Mm -hmm. and waiting to see any visibility a few weeks out uh, when the reopening might come what are your thoughts rich yeah, so I think, you know, Tim pretty much nailed it. You know, we, uh, you know, had a column up on PPD the other day where it was, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. But it does look like, and if you, anybody who's on People's Pundit Daily would see, it does look like when, we're, when uh, we're, we're about done with that. Yes, the market did fall. Five, well, I don't want to say we're done with it, but it appears there's some leveling out. So we'll gain 5 or 6% one day, Don. We'll lose 5 or 6% the next day, you know. So we're kind of holding what uh, on PVD we're calling the Ackman lows, you know, because of uh, the comments the other day. Uh, that the well-known hedge fund manager said uh, irresponsibly on CNBC. But when somebody like him talks, you know, people listen, and we saw that dive. But we're not seeing them break through those lows now, are we, right? So we are having these days where we're trading up. People are taking their profits, which I think some people, too, need to understand. Um, you know, when there, there were just incredible buying opportunities out there. And, folks, while the working man and woman panics, um, and makes the wrong call. These big guys are making money hand over fist, and they're dollar cost averaging. They're doubling down, and then they're pulling. When we see those five seven percent runs, even the other day, what nine percent uh, on the Dow? When we see those runs, the next day we're seeing them take their their profits. So while everybody's panicking, they're consolidating more and more wealth. And I think it's important for everyday Americans to understand that because, uh, you know, before I got into this business, Don, I worked on Wall Street. In my office, I used to keep a chart, big chart behind me on the wall to try to prove to my point to clients. If you were to put $1,000 in the market before the Great Depression and, you know, through the collapse, uh, through the markets in the 20s, the 30s, and, and, and up until the current day, which was uh, right up until the financial crisis, the last one we had, it just, your money still would have grown. 
and it would have grown to an enormous amount. You wouldn't even, you know, recognize the thousand dollars that you put in. And these guys know that. And while, you know, everybody's panicking and they're taking their profits, uh, you know, they're, they're making more and more money. So one of my major concerns now, Don, is that uh, there are going to be people out there that use this as a way to knock off those smaller businesses that cannot sustain a prolonged period of economic uh, nothing, <laughs> you know, not, not yeah. economic slowdown, economic nothing grinding to a halt. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think, you know, I, I'm not a not in Wall Street. I, you know, I'm not giving anybody financial advice, but it sure seems to me, Rich, that there's going to be, you'd mentioned buying opportunities. Seems to me that at the end of this, once there's some kind of end in sight of uh, the self-quarantining and all these kind of things, I, I think there's going to be a huge buying opportunity here because I think the fundamentals of the economy are still in place. It's just we're living in a little bit of a panic time right here. You know, I would agree with if you look at the latest polls and even what our own numbers, we can talk about that, what, what our own numbers say. You know, I would agree with most Americans that the president is doing, uh, you know, the, the best he can with the information he has. And this is completely uncharted territory. But I am an advocate for something a little bit different, Don. We can have this temporary lockdown, um, but these, you know, uh, radical, prolonged shelter in place uh, policies. Uh, we just simply cannot sustain it. And after a while, I have to, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I got to agree with the Wall Street Journal editorial board when they say, you know, how much economic pain is enough. And you have somebody like Governor Cuomo who says, if it saves one life, it was all worth it. I don't think that can only come out of the mouth of somebody who doesn't understand the economic devastation that we're playing and tinkering around with here. We have never seen negative 20 GDP growth like we're hearing out of Goldman Sachs if we don't if we don't stop this or turn the corner on this thing soon. That would be a level of economic calamity that nobody has ever lived through in this country. And, uh, you know, I, again, it's important to understand where all the money and funds come, Don, for public health. All right. So publicly funded vaccine studies, uh, testing, all this, this crying about testing kits, right, getting testing kits. There will be no testing kits. There will be nobody to deliver them if there's no revenue sent to them, sent to the government to keep these programs going. You know, so who mm -hmm. funds the CDC, Don, right? So we have to balance out these public health, uh, you know, and again, doctors are doing the best they can. It's the president's job to take everybody's information and, and try to find an equilibrium there because, you know, Dr. Fauci, I'm sure, is a wonderful doctor, but what he's not is an economist. Right. So we have right. to, that. That's the job of the president. And I think he's doing like I said, I think he's doing the best he can with the information he has. But, I, you know, I am I am an advocate for somebody who would really rather see bigger, bolder ideas where we change our behavior modestly, Don, to be able to carry on with our lives, because we cannot stop our economy. We cannot bring our economy to a grinding halt every time the Chinese Communist Party unleashes a deadly pathogen on this world, whether it's intentional or unintentional. It doesn't even matter at this point. What matters is that we have got to learn to live with it because the, China, the, the coronavirus out of China will not be the last one. And this is not even the first time that China has done this. We just don't talk about it because SARS wasn't uh, you know, such a widespread killer and the contagion wasn't as strong, right? So but it is not the first time that this has happened. And it's not the first time that the WHO has covered for them. And here we are. Yeah. Again. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you're absolutely right. But I, I do have to challenge one thing here, Rich, because apparently you didn't get the memo on this. From what I've found out from watching CNN is that China's good. 
that communism is good and that China is actually saving people's lives and leading the world. In fact, I'm going to play this clip for you because, again, I, I don't think you got the memo that China is actually good now. It was China that came to the rescue as Italy shook, sending medical personnel, nine pallets of ventilators, electrocardiographs, and tens of thousands of masks, all desperately needed by a healthcare system in crisis and appreciated by Italians stuck at home singing China's praise. Europe. So consider yourself re-educated, Rich. That makes my blood boil. It does. And, uh, you know, I try to not be, you know, hyperbolic or, you know, uh, let, let uh, emotions get the best of reason, especially in a time like this. Panicking does nothing. Uh, people who panic, I have no tolerance for them. But the fact of the matter is, Don, it was still mid-January when China was refusing the rest of the world, including our CDC, were refusing to share samples with, uh, you know, better, more experienced healthcare care scientists. It was in mid-January, as people who follow me and read PPD will know, it was still mid-January when the World Health Organization was parroting Chinese propaganda that there was little evidence to show that COVID-19 was uh, contagious through human-to-human interaction. January 14th, folks, you could go look on their Twitter feed. They still haven't deleted it because that's how unconcerned they are with the media, the global media, including domestic American corporate media, challenging their narrative. And I think we're finding out, um, you know, there's a lot of talk before any of this on about how much China owns and how many corporations and media outlets kowtow to the ChaiComs, right? And, uh, you know, if you were if you talked about this before, you were just a right wing conspiracy theorist throughout this thing. We're seeing it uh, full on. Mm-hmm. Uh, CNN, which is where some of that clip came from, CNN uh, was calling it the Chinese Wuhan virus and the Chinese coronavirus mm-hmm. for weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks. I mean, the video is that I mean, nobody found it to be racist. Until, of course, China started to launch their counter-propaganda effort because they, they knew it. They could see what was happening with Donald Trump calling it the Chinese virus. And they moved to, uh, you know, to, to counter that narrative. And um, you know, so now it's, just, it's amazing how many went along with it and then for their efforts anyway wound up getting expelled. All but Bloomberg, folks. All but Bloomberg. Yeah. They are the they are the Chinese Communist Party's favorite American media outlet is Bloomberg. And for the rest of them who did kowtow, the New York Times, CNN, the Washington Post. Well, they're not even as relevant as some of these because, you know, they're international organizations for their effort, for changing their headlines, for going back weeks and changing their headlines and reversing what they were allowed to say about this virus. They got expelled anyway, which tells you. You really can't believe anything that's coming out of China because they would not expel Western media if they didn't have still have something to hide. Yep, absolutely. Well said. So, you know, we talk a lot about this, uh, but both being, you know, in the media and uh, dealing with the media on a regular basis, we see it firsthand. But it, this is, you know, we played that clip here where now all of a sudden China is good, America bad, and all because they're really saying President Trump is bad, China is good. So, I mean, let's put it in perspective. But there's another part of right. this here. And this is, we're watching, the media is watching President Trump's approval ratings going up. Because he, he – I, I remember the last administration used to always say the Obama administration used to call themselves the most transparent 
administration in history. No, this guy is. This guy stands up there and he takes every single question. He's Barack Obama used to take four or five questions and then that was it. I'm out of here. And they were all selected people and uh, he was very careful about who he took a question from. This guy will take a question from anybody, no matter or how nasty they are. Or he, exactly. Yeah. Or even let in. I mean, they, you know, even outlets like the Daily Caller, Don, had problems at the White House. Fox News had problems at the White House. You could forget yep. about outlets like us. You know, that, that's not yep. even a factor. Barack Obama yep. locked it down to friendly media outlets only. He did, absolutely. So let me get into this because yesterday it got a little bit heated. And, and I think it got heated because the media is going, how could this guy's approval ratings be going up? Right. So here you had – you had a reporter who asked, and I'm not even going to name these people anymore because it's not even worth it. They're all the same. They all they might just be might as well just be one network on the left and just call it a day, and everybody works for that. But here's the thing. So first, the question was, aren't you being overly optimistic? Aren't you aren't you telling people that this new drug might work and therefore they shouldn't worry? And isn't that lying to people? Basically, I'm paraphrasing here. But here was the very next question, and I'm going to play this along with the president's response to it because. This, Rich, is what I actually love about him, but I also think it's a divisive thing where some people say, man, I wish he wouldn't say that, things like that, or whatever, but here is the exchange from yesterday. Nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter, that's what I say. I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers, and they're looking for hope. And you're doing sensationalism. That's really bad reporting. And you want to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might, and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. <laughs> Rich, what's your take on that? You know, I did a uh, – it went berserk, too. I did a you know a little mini thread on this the other day because, first of all, they're so transparent. It's so trans- – because they're so small. They're not serious people. And unfortunately, the American people, for the most part, um, they want seriousness in a, in, a, in a time like this. They want solid information. And by the way, if you look at the latest polling, the American public overwhelmingly trusts the White House information more than they trust the information coming out of the media. And I know that chafes them, Don, that chafes them. But it was good for a little while there. And then what did we see happen, Don? We saw his approval rating in the ABC News poll completely reverse. We see his uh, approval rating in the Harris poll now 53%, unbeatable for an incumbent president, unbeatable. You, you will not defeat an incumbent with a 53% overall approval rating. And uh, his handling of the coronavirus at 56 or 58%, ABC was 54%. But the big key with that ABC poll is that it was a complete reversal. And while we were in that period, you did see a toning down, uh, you know, a little bit more seriousness out of the White House press corps and overall media. And then these numbers come out. And it is literally that morning where we saw that reversal on the ABC poll that they went in there again with an adversarial posture we haven't seen since like the Russia gate. Right. It went back to being like that, where they just make incredibly unserious uh, just a waste of a waste of time. And she said, what a disservice it does to this country. Just go home. You're worthless. You are worthless. Just go home. You have precious yep. time with the most powerful man in the world during an outbreak that is bringing the Western world to its knees, and you ask a question like that? 
Could you imagine anybody asking FDR after Pearl Harbor if uh, he was giving them false hope before the Doolittle uh, do raid? I mean, that, <laughs> that raid had no chance of success, Don. No chance. But he, but he knew yep. the American people needed hope at that time. And uh, exactly. I mean, what kind of a what kind of a ridiculous, pointless question? I mean, it just really goes to show you they took it more their responsibility more that morning to go in there and try to lower his approval rating that scared them than they did think that it was their job to go in and get accurate, serious, worthwhile information out of the man uh, for the hour press conference that they had. It's, uh, it just shows you their priorities yeah. is where I'm going with this. Unbelievable. Yeah. Re- it really does. So I can't let you go without asking you about this. We talked earlier in the program about the uh, the senators, Dianne Feinstein, Richard Burr, Kelly Loeffler, yeah. who sold a bunch of stocks. They had the inside information. But here's what, here's two parts of this, Rich. First of all, I don't like it when people do this. I think I do think there's something wrong with this. Uh, I thought the interview with Tucker Carlson and Kelly Loeffler was amazing because he did not let her go on this. But I read a story earlier from Market Watch that says two senators are under fire for selling stock before the coronavirus market crash. So there's three of them. One of them is a Democrat, but apparently they didn't really feel like that should be included in the story. Uh, what is your take on this whole thing? Do you have a problem with what these senators did? And uh, how about the media, you know, conveniently leaving out the Democrat? Look, I never like, and you know me, Don, personally, I never like to see stuff like this, but I am holding my fire a little bit, or at least on uh, some of these cases, because of the experience that I do have. Uh, it is incredibly difficult, even, even if the timing looks bad, it's incredibly difficult to tie them to insider training because it is typically in a blind trust or you have a trader who does, you know, doesn't communicate them on the individual trade level. Um, so I know that it looks horrible, but it is harder to prove. I will say this, uh, Burr bothers me and Loeffler bothers me, okay? Even uh, Dianne Feinstein, which Fox, by the way, in a reversal from what the left-wing media did, Fox News said Dianne Feinstein and three others because we had uh, – what's his name from Oklahoma in there? I'm I'm running a blank. The original report, some of it already had to be walked back. They tried looping Ron Johnson into that too in the beginning. Uh, So that tells me it was a little bit sloppy because Johnson was not uh, at the briefing and the timing of the trades, or maybe he was, but the timing of the trades, whatever it was, uh, wasn't the same or how they initially thought. So sometimes it looks like uh, it's horrible. Now, I will say this. What bothers me about Burr as as a former trader is the number of trades done and the succession and how much he dumped, what he dumped. I mean, they're all little pieces for an insider trading case. Uh, but then also you have that with his comments from last month and caught on audio where he said that it was going to be uh, more on kin or at least the contagiousness of this virus was more on par with the, uh, with the Spanish influenza than it is with anything else we've seen before. That all of those begin to fill in a bigger picture for me that Richard Burr, uh, that looks dirty to me. That does. That one I'm comfortable saying looks dirty. But even with the fine sign, her, I know her, I understand her husband. I get that. But there are, uh, you know, mechani- mechanisms in place. That being said, the ethics committee in the Senate is a joke. The Justice Department yep. has to look into all of these people. Yeah, it's going to have it is up to William Barr to find out, not Mitch McConnell. It's up to William Barr to find out whether Richard Burr particularly, um, you know, used uh, used his, his office. That looks like a slam dunk. I don't want to, again, everyone's yep. presumed innocent, right, Don? But that one to me looks like a slam dunk. 
insider trading case. It really does. Yeah, completely agree. He is the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. Check him out today. Rich, we'll do this again next week. Have a great weekend, my friend. You, you too, my friend. Stay safe and stay healthy. I'll talk to you next week. Same to you. All right. Peoplespunditdaily.com. Check him out today. It is time for our weekly Special Operations Speaks Vets in the Fight. Again, brought to you by Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight. Hello, all you Vets in the Fight. This is David Miller with your weekly Special Operations Speaks Vets in the Fight syndrome. Well, you know, leadership is the key factor in survival, whether as a family or as a nation. By now, Americans are a few weeks into an unprecedented curtailment of our movements, our social links, and of our daily routine by order of state, local, and national leadership, all brought about by a Chinese virus. Whether lab-made or due to the wet markets where almost any living thing is sold as food, the coronavirus or COVID-19, so designated by national health agencies. This unaccustomed change carries both pluses and minuses, as we are sure you are aware of that are in the midst would agree. Sniping from the fake news quarter aside, it's been clear to see since this situation emerged that President Donald Trump, our 45th president of these United States, continues to be the man for our times. Despite withering attacks from the Chi-Com cheerleaders, the leftist press, our president has shown remarkable resolve, courage, and wisdom to protect his people. Joining together with so-called celebrities aching for camera time and singing Imagine does absolutely nothing except to assuage guilt and virtue signaling relevance. Chinese communist delays in warning the world of the release of yet another pestilence put America and the world into a delayed response mode, which Donald Trump overcame by force of personality, made possible by his understanding of problem solving, the human dynamics associated, and undoubtedly a history of dealing with a tyrannical government. Ever the great communicator, he kept America and the world apprised of both the threat and our deliberate responses to that threat. When confronted with regulations prohibiting the commercial manufacture of essential virus and respirators, he issued an executive order clearing the way for America's private enterprise response virtually overnight. Trump's leadership, communications, and team-building effectiveness has even been publicly if grudgingly, acknowledged by two very unlikely sources, New York's Governor Mario Cuomo, whose real agenda is yet to be revealed, and U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. Unbelievable. The latest coup in the treatment and potential prevention of COVID-19 comes from an unexpected quarter. Doctors from both the U.S. and France are running trials with astoundingly positive results, using a half-century-old medication used as a prevention of malaria. Vietnam-era soldiers well remember the big pink daily pill we took in the form of Holoquin to ward off several of the strains of malaria endemic to that part of the world. Private drug firms immediately went into overdrive producing the drug, with Bayer immediately donating 3 million doses to the president's efforts. Synergy, goodwill, and know-how have 
coalesced in these few days after years of divisiveness under the leadership of this first-term president, much to the chagrin of the scheming cultural Marxists who have been dealt an unexpected setback. Meanwhile, back at your suddenly crowded households, the entire student population of America from K through university levels is literally sitting at home with the prospects, in many cases, of not returning to school until September. After what is certain to be an attitude adjustment period, the enforced togetherness has a chance of reestablishing the dynamics of family life. The cultural Marxists in the government schools apparatus and the National Education Association will go into overdrive, hoping to defeat these bonds. Parents now have a chance to more closely monitor what kind of indoctrination is being fed to their children via the Internet for the next several months. Relationships can be restarted and that unique American quality of selflessness and service to others can be kindled. Start your own local online Facebook parent school watch to compare notes and pose questions. Here is a chance of a lifetime to grapple with issues that a regular work schedule often prohibits. We here at Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight have no doubt that we will get through this fiery trial. America has been through many, many such challenges, and we are still standing and serve as hope for the world. To snatch away the old Marxist adage of never letting a good crisis go to waste, even though we can't consider this a good crisis, we have the opportunity to reconnect with one another, even in the midst of social distancing. Think about grocery and pharmacy prescription runs if possible, for example, for those unable to leave home and that may make a huge difference, especially for the elderly. We can be victorious if we stand united in God and with each other. This is David Miller for Special Operations Speaks and Vets in a Fight Everywhere. May God keep and bless our exceptional republic. Deo presso liber. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you could find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very 
diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information. Or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. Is it time to expand and open offices in Sao Paulo and London? A long-term lease will be like a short, tight noose. And furnishing those will be as much fun as a tax audit. You guys always give me such great negative feedback. Fear and doubt holding you back? Now there's a new way to work to minimize risk. With Regis, you get fully equipped offices without a long-term lease, a receptionist, conference rooms, and over 1,100 locations around the world. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Been looking for an online gathering place? You know, a familiar screen does everything you're used to, except give you grief for being a conservative? You've got to try the Tea Party community. At TPC, you'll know how everything works from the very first minute, and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there. Organize, communicate, share ideas, upcoming events, pictures, and videos. The Tea Party community connects and empowers like-minded, politically conservative people. Like you, sign up today at teapartycommunity.com. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection. Are you among the 64% of Americans who believe our country is going in the wrong direction? If yes, then eVoiceAmerica.com is the political take-action site we've all been waiting for. And it's really free. eVoiceAmerica provides your personal list of elected reps every time you log on. This makes it so easy to email your opinions and e-votes on top issues directly to each of our D.C. elected representatives. eVoice then publishes our e-vote majority percentages on top issues to each member of Congress and the media. Now, for the first time in history, we can know what millions of American citizens are telling Congress. No more gridlock. Join the new American majority using eVoiceAmerica.com, putting Americans in control of Congress. Visit eVoiceAmerica.com today. It's free and easy to use. That's eVoiceAmerica.com. Hey, this is Ted Nugent. I'm on the Don Smith Radio Show where it's okay to be a real conservative. Welcome back to the show. Coming up in just a little bit, we've got my sit-down with Colonel Alan West. We'll talk about his run for leading the Republican Party in the great state of Texas. But now it is my pleasure to have my next guest on. He is the president for Americans for Tax Reform. His name is Grover Norquist. Always great to have him on the show. Grover, welcome back to the Don Smith Show. Good to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. 
Well, always great to have you here and a lot of stuff to talk about here. But one thing I know that's always been big for you, and it is for me as well, and I'm sure it is for my listeners too, is government regulations. So we're watching the coronavirus. We're seeing this all play out, and people are saying, well, geez, if we can you know, just eliminate this regulation and this regulation, we can get better health care, we can get better things. Isn't there a theme here that less government regulations is better? It, it is fascinating. One of the things that governors are finding, not just Republican presidents like Trump, but governors, including Democrats uh, and liberal Republicans, are discovering is that when you need to do something new, different, because you, this isn't ordinary, uh, there are dumb, stupid, destructive regulations here, there, everywhere that slow down everything at exactly the time when you don't need slowing down. Uh, and the Trump administration has found out the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, the guys are supposed to keep us safe, okay? They had rules that made it difficult for states that had come up with new tests for, for, the, uh, for the virus. Uh, no, no, only we get to do that, okay? Trump said, <laughs> no, any of the 50 states, you come up with something. If your state likes it, go, okay? Which means we've got 50 people looking instead of one. Uh, or 50 structures looking. There were regulations on how you distribute the test from the FDA. What, what do you mean? What do you, regulation on how you distribute them. Get out of the way. And the president told uh, <laughs> FDA to Department of Transportation. Now, we have lived for 100 years of you know, trucks uh, in this country, uh, and we didn't have a law, a rule, regulation that the Obama idiots put in that said you have to count exactly how many hours you're driving, and we know how tired you get, and we know whether you're – how much you can do, and you can only drive certain amounts. Well, the, the federal government said, okay, drop those for right now, okay? It's too confusing, and it tells people, oh, you got to stop now. You can't drive another 15 minutes to get to the hospital because we got rules uh, and regulations. All the test kits, when this thing started, the local guys would have a test, right, test you to see if you uh, have COVID-19. Could they look at it there? No, you had to send it to CDC. Because, I don't know, I guess, my guess is they were, we want to count. How about if we call you on the phone? You know, and, and so finally, okay, you don't have to send them to Washington and send the results back and wait several days, delay several days while you're out infecting your neighbors um, to find out whether you have COVID-19 or not. They suspended all federal licensing regulations, all sorts of rules about that stuff. Oh, by the way, the hand sanitizers, you know, um, mm -hmm. you, you can't take liquids more than three point four, 3.5 uh, ounces uh, on a plane, right? They're telling everybody, be sure and bring your hand sanitizer, carry them everywhere, and then they throw a TSA, throwing them all away. So, okay, up to 12 ounces, 12 ounces. You now have 12 ounces of hand sanitizer. You know, thank you very much. Patients cannot have access over their medical data as opposed to the government keeping it private for you. Say that again. The government keeping it private for you. You can't keep it private. We can keep it private for you telecommunications we should have been doing this oh i don't know when they invented telephones or when you know we'll go crazy when things went online and everything's on computer you should be able to call a doctor on the phone and say here are my symptoms what do you think i realize it's not the same thing as in with the doctor where he can take your blood pressure but it's a start you know what are these blots as well they tend to be this or you know and now you can you can send you can get advice from anybody in the world you can call a doctor who's awake you know, in Hawaii uh, at four in the morning in Wisconsin and talk to him. I have a best friend from high school reads x-rays in the afternoon, you know, for people in the middle of the night who have car crashes in Boston. 
right? Because you don't want to wake mm-hmm. the guy up at four in the morning. And <laughs> could you come in blurry eyed <laughs> in two hours? You know, when you get to the hospital, read this for us. Well, the other guy's bleeding to death. You know, I mean, this is rich. States are going are getting in on this action. Maryland of all places, yep. they have a semi-Republican governor in Maryland. He said, if you're a, a doctor or a, a nurse or a registered nurse, or you know, and you got some license from Kentucky, and you're coming to Maryland to help, we will get you that immediately. We'll give you reciprocity for your healthcare licenses. Uh, in active practice, or you're a doctor or a nurse, and two years ago you retired. You know what? You're still in as far as we're concerned, okay? You don't have to go to school again uh, or fill out some form and wait six months. Come on down to the hospital and help if you want to get back into the workforce, you know, even though you've allowed your, your license to lapse. You didn't forget what you knew for 40 years. Uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, my home state before I emigrated to the United States. I used to live in Massachusetts. And there... Uh, they've said, if you're a medical professional and you show up within 24 hours, we will give you the, the license that in Massachusetts that you had in whatever other state. Expanded telemedicine in Massachusetts. Texas is going crazy. They're allowing, allowing alcohol and groceries to be delivered on the same delivery truck. Previously illegal. Mm-hmm. What does is, what is an alcohol-based yep. thing mean? Well, it could mean brandy or it could mean, oh, something you use to um, Purell. Alcohol-based, you know, all of these things that, that, that picture uh, kill viruses and so on. You can now legally have them in the same truck with the broccoli, um, whereas before that was Al Capone territory. Um, and they're also fast-tracking t- uh, temporary licensing of out-of-state physicians. Um, oh, North Carolina lifted the certificate of need law, right? You, you only need this many hospitals. Says who? At this hospital bed. So many hospital beds. So many uh, respirators. So, you know, you have to get permission to have something in your hospital because who knows if you need it? Who gets to vote on that? Oh, I don't know. All your competitors, everybody else has hospital yep. beds too. I don't think you need that. And in an emergency, they're, uh, they're lifting this. So how about lifting this on a day-to-day basis? Who, who knows how many hospital beds a hospital needs or how many respirators we need? Uh, obviously not the right. guys who are in charge because they haven't gotten it very well done. Oregon's renewing yep. medical licenses, right? You, you quit last week, you can, you can renew it immediately, uh, get that done. So we've got some, North Dakota, uh, Governor Bergham up there, great guy. He said, not only is here's a list of regulations that we're tossing, but I haven't thought of them all. So I want everybody out there in every department to come to me with every reg that's getting in the way and we'll, we'll delay it, okay? Now, my thought is, if it's a stupid law in a crisis, why don't we get rid of it? Why do we wait for a crisis? I mean, we, this crisis has sort of been building for several months, and we're now getting the regulations out of the way. Mm-hmm. How about we do it yeah, now exactly. for the next crisis? Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me get in a little deeper in this, because I think if you look at it from even from the bigger picture here, the, people are waking up and they're finding out that, hey, wait a minute, there's reports out there that 95% of the medication and, and the medicinal things we make here, we produce here in the United States of America, we need something from China. Now, a lot of this is all based on these regulations. If you look at the supply chains that have been driven out of this country, they were regulated out of this country was really what happened. Sure, they're cheaper to do it in China, but that's one of the reasons is because of the regulations. So talk about that. Talk about the supply chain and how the regulations in this country time over time has driven business out of America. And now we're reliant upon countries like China. Yeah, we don't want to compete with other countries to have the lowest wages. But we should compete to have the lowest regulatory burden and the lowest tax burden. 
That's the way to compete. So we can have higher wages and less regulatory drag, lower taxes, um, and I mean, obviously, better management uh, is, is works too. The government gets in the way of that with regulations. So we yep. can become the low-cost producer. There's a role for the government. Get out of the way. Move to Canada. Do something else. The exactly. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But okay. So what I'm hearing from you, Grover, is is kind of the Ronald Reagan thing, right? Where the, the government is not the solution. The government's the problem. And that's really what I'm hearing here. But let me talk about this and give you a specific example. And I want to get your yeah. take on this because I think this this is really playing a big part in everything. The fear, the, the hype, the hysteria is the media. So here, uh, about a week and a half ago, President Trump sat down with governors. And there was talk about going through the federal government to get ventilators. That was the specific issue they were discussing. And he turned to these governors and he said... If you've got a better avenue, if you've got a better way as the governor, the leader of your state, to get these things and not wait on me, not wait on the government, get them. Then the next day, the New York Times publishes an article about how President Trump says, you're on your own, get your own damn ventilators, or however they were, I'm paraphrasing here. But, but talk about that, because that is really the difference here, and the media is globbing onto this. They're basically telling everybody, there's nothing you can do on your own, you, you can only rely on the government. And I hear you saying that that's not true, that we shouldn't rely on the government. No, and what, what is the big takeaway from this whole crisis? Wash your hands, keep your distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and spray surfaces. The government does none of this for you (laughs) at all. This is all self-governance, okay? Almost all, I mean, the one thing the government could do would be to remind people of this, uh, that that this is true. But this this goes through churches, synagogues, mosques. I mean, you can do this through work. I mean, the the place I get here at most is is at work, my staff yelling at me. Um, And uh, what to remember to do and what not to do. These are not big solutions. Out of, I mean, the government's idea, I live in D.C. right now, they're closing the parks. Um, you know, the one place you can really be out near nobody, and where I've been out to the parks, people who can't be in gyms are out 10 feet away from each other exercising. The, the, the people who run gym classes in gyms or exercise classes in gyms are out in little parks all around. Um, don't abandon that. It's, Nobody's touching anybody. Nobody's breathing on anybody. What's this all about? Right. Because the government feels it has to do something. This is how we get most of stupid government. Crisis, do something. And the left always has an argument that the do something means create more barnacles. Never scrape the barnacles off. That's never the thing they want to do. Never go through and see if any of these laws are counterproductive, which luckily, one of the interesting things is this administration caught on early that their problem with these regulations and they've started telling people, bragging, I guess, um, we're undoing these regs. We're getting these things out of your way. If, if this legalized telecommunications and doctor's licenses and, and nurses' licenses uh, and emergency technicians' licenses across state lines, that would be a tremendous boon to this country for the next 100 years. 
Mm-hmm. It would indeed, absolutely. You know, for my listeners who may may not know, you are the president of Americans for Tax Reform. You guys do a lot of great work, yeah. and I and I I highly Thank encourage you. everybody to go check this site out because this is it. I mean, we should be able to keep more of our money, and this is all kind kind of tied into the regulations and everything we're discussing here. But tell my listeners who maybe haven't been to your site, tell them a little bit more about it, and is there any way that they can help out your organization? Sure. ATR.org is an Americans for Tax Reform. ATR.org. On our website, we have the list of every federal and state reg that's been suspended. Uh, if you know of some, email into us. We'd love to hear it. Tweet at me. I'm at Grover Norquist. Um, and what we do is we ask every elected official, every candidate for office to sign the pledge never to raise uh, taxes. Your governor's taken that pledge. The pre- previous governor took that pledge, kept it, had uh, a tax cut every year, eight years. Um, and the uh, senators from, from the state have taken the pledge not to raise taxes and kept it. Uh, so uh, Florida's, uh, we have uh, almost 90, roughly 90 percent of all Republican House and Senate guys in Washington have made a written commitment to the voters of their state. I will never vote for a tax increase. I will never support or vote for a tax increase. Um, yeah. And that has kept taxes down as long as the Republicans have held Congress, no tax increase. Only tax increases uh, since 1990 were the two years when Clinton had the presidency in both houses Democrat for two years, and he lost the House and Senate because everyone's so mad about the tax and spending. And then Obama came in, and when he had it for two years, ta- massive tax increases, and then he lost the House and most of the Senate immediately within two years. So uh, the good news is, the bad news is, when the Democrats get in, if they got the presidency and the Senate, they will massively raise taxes. Uh, Biden's tax increase, threatened tax increase, is three times bigger than the one that Hillary was threatening four years ago. Biden's no moderate. He is way to the left of Hillary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he is. And yeah, I couldn't even imagine what uh, Bernie's stuff would do to us all. So the ATR.org, everybody <laughs> check it out. ATR.org. Grover Norquist, thank you so much for your time today. and look forward to talking to you again. Good to be with you. All right, Grover Norquist, ATR.org. You know, this is, if you don't know, Grover Norquist also one of the great defenders of our Second Amendment rights here in this country and um, member of the NRA board and just a really great guy. He does a lot of great things. But this is the thing. It's the regulations. I mean, literally. So I worked for a manufacturing company back in my, you know, my previous days in business. And one of the things, we're manufacturing. So we manufactured large diesel engines. There were a lot of processes that needed to be, let's just use an example, a plating service. So it's a, it's a material, whether it's cast iron, whether it was steel, but needed plating, right, to work and to operate uh, friction, all kinds of reasons that you needed to have something with a special plating process. Just part of the process, it was, it was a mandatory thing. There was no other way to do it. So uh, at some point, uh, they started, the government started passing regulations because, of course, the environment, right? We've got to save the environment. So these plating processes, there used to be at one point, there was like three different businesses that we, suppliers and people that we would go to and that would do these processes for us. Well, one by one, as soon as these re- the more regulations came in, the harder it became to run an actual plating business here in the United States of America. Do a search. See how many are still here because there's not too many. So one by one, these businesses all went under because they just they couldn't compete. I mean, they, they couldn't keep up with it, nor could nor in some cases they just it was impossible to meet these requirements. You can't do this and all these special guidelines. Now, 
Does that mean they should be able to just dump stuff in lakes and rivers? And, no, of course not. But they weren't doing that. They, they were following the guidelines at that point. The guidelines changed, and then it became impossible for them to conduct their business. So we started have, having to go to India, to China. We started having to offshore our work, which, of course, cost jobs. Um, there were people that handled these kind of things. It cost jobs at all these uh, plating businesses that went under and we just couldn't even find it in America anymore. We had to send it to India. We had to send it to China. So that, that's kind of the example when I was talking about the pharmaceutical stuff. There's a reason that our drugs, 95% of the, the pharmaceuticals that we manufacture in this country, we need something from China. Not because they're the only ones that have this special super resource and uh, they have a special mine that they're the only ones that can get this part. No, it's called government regulations. You, you just can't even produce it here because there's so many regulations going around. Now, for all the environmentalists, right, so all these people, they're going to save the planet because they're going to stop Americans and American businesses from doing things this way, from producing this uh, component, whatever it is, maybe that goes into medicine, whatever. Think of it about anything. Did, did, they, did they stop anything? I mean, if you're really concerned about the planet, you're concerned about the whole planet, right? I mean, not just America. You're, you're concerned about the whole planet. You either are concerned about the planet or you are not concerned about the planet. So these things still take place. In fact, now, here's the problem. They take place in countries like India, like China, who use child labor. Um, they dump their stuff right in the rivers and the lakes. Go over there and go swimming in a lake in China and let me know how that turns out for you. I, I wouldn't recommend it. So, so not only, at least here in America, there was some responsibility to it, right? I mean, again, we stopped dumping things in lakes and rivers a long time ago. These countries still do it. So now you're doing it, you're doing it all, not here where it's responsible. You're doing it in these countries where it's irresponsible, and they're doing a lot more damage to the planet overall. Again, you either care about the entire planet or you don't. There's really no middle ground there. So... Uh, it's kind of the out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, right? As long, well, as long as I can't see it, then I don't really care. But, but all these things, we didn't, we didn't just change the process and no longer plate things. No, we sent them to China or India. It was the same thing with the manufacturing of of castings, right? So, like, uh, there's certain castings that you have made. Well, it became really impossible for us to do it here in America. So the same thing. We were offshoring those things over to those countries. Then those countries build machine shops where they say, well, hey, we can machine it for you too, and that's how we've gotten to where we are. So government regulations drive businesses away, and also to Grover's point there, also taxation does the same thing. So, um, yeah, I guess where do we want to go going forward here as a country? Do we want to bring all this stuff back? Do we want to really be reliant upon China? 95%, think about that, 95% of our pharmaceuticals, we can't make them without China. Do we really want to be there? And, and do we really trust China? Do we really believe CNN when they tell us that China is the best thing that, since sliced bread? It was China that came to the rescue as Italy shook, sending medical personnel, nine pallets of ventilators, electrocardiographs, and tens of thousands of masks, all desperately needed by a healthcare system in crisis and appreciated by Italians stuck at home singing China's praise. Europe? That, that sounds absolutely fantastic. What a great place. I, you know, I really think we should just all move to China, right? I mean, that just sounds like just great. We could all be, uh, be like that and just be wonderful human beings. You know, roses, sunshine, lollipops, 
unicorns, all that good stuff. It would be fantastic. So we watched the press conference yesterday. I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, we played the one clip where uh, President Trump, he's, he's finally had enough, right? I mean, this is, it is, this is just beyond stupid. One of the things that was interesting about the press conference, because one of the problems that the left has had with this whole thing is because, of course, it's got to be about Trump being a bumbling, stumbling idiot. Uh, but he's got this Dr. Fauci, right? So Dr. Fauci, pretty respected by the media, and it's really hard for them. I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've scrubbed through uh, every record of his entire life and just can't come up with something. We talk a lot about how the media always has stories in the can about people just ready to unleash them at the proper time. Apparently, they couldn't find any on this guy. So here's their tactic yesterday. Here's what they're doing. They're trying to do the divide and conquer. So they want to create this, this friction between uh, President Trump and Dr. Fauci. And it's, just, it's really not working out. But, but here's just a little bit, if you missed it, here's a little bit from the press conference yesterday. For clarity, Dr. Patrick said there is no magic drug for coronavirus right now, which you would agree. I guess on this issue, well, luckily, I think we only disagree a little bit. I'm sorry. I disagree. Uh, maybe, and maybe not. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We have to see. Is We're going to know. Is it, possible, is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? No, I don't think so. Well, no, I don't think so. I think that. Uh, I think it's got So here's the thing. So so the divide and the conquer thing, hey, aren't you guys, you know, you're saying this drug might work and, and Dr. Fauci says, I don't know, maybe it doesn't work. That was the same reporter. When we interviewed Richard Barris here earlier, you heard it. When we played that clip, that was the same reporter who went on about there's Deaths everywhere. People are dying all around the country. Why aren't you saying something to be? Now he's chastising the president for being too optimistic. Remember the last one? Here, I'm just going to play the introduction to this, and then I'll shut off uh, president, the president's response here. But but this is this is really important. Listen to the beginning. It's the same guy now. Everybody, same guy who just said, shouldn't you be putting together a more positive message? Listen to this. Nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible... <laughs> I say that you're a terrible reporter. I love that. But anyway, this is the same guy who said, aren't you being too optimistic? But then he wants to know, what about all the people that are scared of dying? Oh, shouldn't you be more optimistic to them? This is the thing with President Trump. He can't win. There is no winning in this. It doesn't matter what he does. Remember, remember, he was selfish because he wasn't getting the test, and he had come in contact with somebody who had the coronavirus, but he wasn't getting the test uh, because his doctors told him not to. All the doctors, we, we played the clip on uh, uh, CNN where they brought on two experts who both said the same thing. I agree with the president. You don't need the test if your doctor tells you not to get the test. He takes the test. And the next day, that's right, he's selfish for taking the test. So here, he's too optimistic. And then the next question is, why aren't you more optimistic? Hmm, kind of weird. But again, they're trying to do the divide and conquer between him and Dr. Fauci because they can't destroy Dr. Fauci. So here it is again. But, but here's Dr. Fauci responding to this. And I thought he did a great job of handling this. I would like Dr. Fauci, if you don't mind, uh, to follow up on what the president is saying. Should Americans have hope in this drug right now? And, sir, I, I would like to follow up on Peter's question here. 
Could you please issue uh, address Americans in this country who are scared right now? This is a very valid concern that people have. No, there really isn't that much of a difference with many respects to what we're saying. The president feels optimistic about something, his feeling about it. What I'm saying is that it might it might be effective. I'm not saying that it isn't. It might be effective, but as a scientist, as we're getting it out there, we need to do it in a way as while we are making it available for people who might want to hope that it might work, you're also collecting data that will ultimately show that it is truly effective and safe under the conditions of COVID-19. So it really isn't different. It's just a question of how one feels about it. Correct. There really isn't any difference. Now, think about this, too. Think about the contrast between this. This is a media who says, well, the president, everything he does is, is just about his, what he feels to do, what he feels like doing. He doesn't care about science. They're trying to divide and conquer these two people. Dr. Fauci says, I, I'm a scientist. I'm a doctor, so I need data. This is what the media always trashes President Trump for. But you heard him right there. There's really no difference between what we both think. I'm optimistic too, but I need some data to back that up. So uh, this is what they're going to do. The, the media has completely lost their minds at this point, and I don't know. We'll be right back after this. In salute to those who've protected us and our families, we'd like to return the favor. Military veterans and their families get 30 days free and 15% off LifeLock identity theft protection. of your life. Sleep number beds with Sleep IQ technology adjust any way you want it. The bed that moves you only at a Sleep Number store. Let's say you need to take care of legal matters. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than using a traditional lawyer? Well, LegalZoom came up with a better way. We took the best of the old and combined it with modern technology. Together you get quality services on your terms with total customer support. LegalZoom documents have been accepted in all 50 states, and they're backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So go to LegalZoom.com today and see for yourself. It's law. It just makes sense. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection. Been looking for an online gathering place? You know, a familiar screen does everything you're used to, except give you grief for being a conservative? You've got to try the Tea Party community. At TPC, you'll know how everything works from the very first minute, and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there. Organize, communicate, share ideas, upcoming events, pictures and videos. The Tea Party community connects and empowers like-minded, politically conservative people. Like you, sign up today at teapartycommunity.com. Building owners, you got to clean up your act. 
You gotta retrofit, you gotta save energy. If you don't do it by 2030, there'll be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings. And this mandate is gonna guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers. enough there that any other person who has um, engaged in those acts um, would certainly uh, have been indicted. In the fight not only to defeat Trump and his racism and his sexism and his homophobia, this is a time for the American people to come together in the fight for economic justice social justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. And that is, that is what this campaign is about. I think most Americans, not just Democrats, would agree with it. We all, anybody who's got a half a brain, agrees that there is climate change and that human activity has caused it. And we better do something about it or we're going to be cooked, or certainly our children are going to be cooked. Just because I work at home doesn't mean I want to look like I do. That's why I'm building my corporate image with a Regis virtual office. I simply use one of Regis's 750 high-profile business addresses as my own. My calls are answered by a professional receptionist in my company's name. And when I need to meet, Regis offers conference rooms and furnished offices. With all this and more from just $150 a month, that works for me. So try it today, and you'll even get one month free. Just call 888-OFFICES or visit Regis.com. That's R-E-G-U-S.com. Hi, this is former Congressman, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Alan West. Hi, this is Ben Shapiro, New York Times bestselling author of Bullies. I'm Charity Daniels, and I'm on the Don Smith Show, where it is okay. In fact, it's wonderful to be a conservative. Well, it is my honor to bring on my next guest. It's been a while since I've had Colonel Allen West on the program, but great to have him here. He's got a lot of exciting things going on in his life. Colonel Allen West, welcome back to the Don Smith Show. Well, it's good to be with you, Don. You're right, it's been far too long, so let's not uh, have this kind of hiatus again. <laughs> I agree. So you've got a lot of exciting things I want to talk about going on in your life right now. But let's talk kind of about what's dominating the news, the headlines today. And, of course, it's the coronavirus, what's happening. Um, what are your concerns and what, what do you think about everything that's going on and how it's being handled and where we're maybe going as a society here? Well, my biggest concern goes back to a quote from Benjamin Franklin who said that those who surrender essential liberty – uh, for temporary security will, in the end, not deserve security nor liberty. Uh, this is a very serious thing that is going on. I think it's important that we get the most uh, accurate information out to the American people so that we reduce this level of fear, panic, hysteria, and paranoia that is going on out there. Um, when I read what some of these mayors are doing across the uh, United States of America, trying to suspend people's Second Amendment rights, and uh, along those lines, it's very disconcerting. I, I live here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Dallas County, and the uh, Dallas city of Dallas and Dallas County 
we uh, the restaurants are closed, the bars, the gyms, the theaters. I, I get it. I understand. We don't want people unnecessarily out congregating, but I don't want to see, as we spoke earlier, this Pandora's box. It may be hard to close once you allow people to be able to so easily uh, restrict civil liberties. Yeah, you know, I guess I have to look back, and, and you don't want to mean, hey, I don't want to do the, yeah, what about uh, like Barack Obama stuff or anything like that, but let's be realistic here. N1H1 was a pretty big deal as well, Ebola. Uh, these things were a big deal. Um, actually, it killed a lot of the American people. We didn't react mm-hmm. the way we're reacting here today, and it also was never blamed on the former president, uh, but everything here today has, has shifted. We've become just so divisive and this is just all about i think orange man bad but uh, i hate seeing that aspect of it and talk a little bit about that well we should hate seeing that aspect and you're correct you're correct h1n1 swine flu which uh pretty much so was between april of 2009 to april of 2010 i went back and read a 2011 uh center for disease control uh study and abstract on it there were 61 million Americans that were affected by the swine flu. There were 12,469 Americans who sadly lost their lives. Uh, right now, as of last night when I was doing uh, my reading and updating, we had 6,200 Americans that had been infected with the coronavirus, and I believe we are up to about 105, 106 Americans have lost their lives. We did not take all of these measures back when the H1N1 was uh, happening. As a matter of fact, you saw very little media coverage. Definitely it paled in comparison to what we see today. And, of course, the attacks personally and, uh, you know, against the president today as opposed to President Obama then. So I don't like to see the politicization of things. I think that's not helpful. Uh, and again, I don't like the fact that the media is trying to drive people into a, a paranoia and a, a, a panic. Uh, I mean, you know, why are we seeing such a run on toilet paper, for instance? I, I just don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about one specific thing, because this just happened a couple of days ago. And I think this really kind of encapsulates the entire thing that we're seeing here in the nation uh, as far as the division and the making everything politicized. There, there was a meeting with the governors. So the president of the United States sits down with the governors across the country and he tells them if they have an, a better way of getting ventilators to their to their systems in their states, if they have a better way to do it than going through the federal government, that which kind of reminds me of Ronald Reagan, right? I mean, we're you know we're not the solution. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're the problem. But he's told them if they have an opportunity to get them in a faster method, maybe they have relationships. However, they do it. If they can do it faster than going through the federal government, they should do that. Immediately, the New York Times puts out a, an article, and it says that basically the president says, "Hey, you're on your own." Uh, get your own uh, ventilators. I, I, this is the kind of stuff we're seeing, and I think it really does a disservice to the American people. It does a huge disservice to the American people, and it further erodes the credibility of you know a, a media outlet like the New York Times. And again, this should not be the time when we're looking for the cheap shots. Uh, and it's so interesting. I was looking at one of the presidential uh, president's briefings and people were attacking him saying that you know you're saying this about democrats but yet you're saying that we're supposed to you know come together and, and he responded by saying if people are going to attack me at this present time i'm going to fire back and, and i think that he's absolutely right so for the new york times to take you know what was very simple uh, a, a good recommendation to the governors if you can find effectiveness and efficiencies at your level then implement those efficiencies that's not him trying to say you're out there on your own. That's him saying, show some initiative and take action. 
Yes, exactly. Well said. And so I want to talk about this. You've got something really exciting going on in your life right now. Uh, you're out in the great state of Texas, wonderful place, and you're in a nice area there too as well. But let's talk about this, the Republican Party of Texas. You are running to lead this group. Tell us, tell us what you've got going on right now. How's everything going and uh, how are we looking going forward? Well, you know, I moved back here to Texas in December 2014. My last duty assignment in the Army was Fort Hood, Texas. But you got to, you know, acquiesce to the wife in retirement, and she wanted to go to South Florida because she had, you know, family there, and I'm originally from Georgia. But in coming back, you know, we've had the opportunity to be here and, and get a sensing of the people. I've been traveling around the state talking with Republican groups. And when I look at what has happened since 2018, uh, the Republican Party here in Texas, we've lost state House seats. We've lost state Senate seats, uh, U.S. congressional seats, 56 judgeships. Our legislative priorities are not getting pushed through with, uh, you know, our, our state legislature. We have Democrats in charge of uh, very important committees in our Texas State House, and we're nine seats now away from losing the Texas State House. So I decided to run for chairman of the Republican Party of Texas because Texas is is the bulwark against the, the, the intrusion of progressive socialism in the United States of America. If we don't have a strong red Texas, then we don't have a strong United States of America, and that's why I wrote a book called Hold Texas, Hold the Nation. Uh, so this is about making sure that we are pushing back, especially in our urban population centers where you see the greatest amount of failure of the left. All of the urban centers here in Texas, the major centers, Dallas, you know, Houston, uh, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso are controlled by the other side, the left. And if you understand their strategy, they come into strong red states, they take over the major population centers, and then it's a matter of demographic growth. And so many people are moving here to Texas for the growth, the opportunity, the prosperity that is here because of strong conservative principles. We're picking up three congressional districts in the next round of redistricting. Uh, That's because of this influx of population. But we've got to get them to understand why they're moving to Texas and why they're leaving California, Illinois, New York, and New Jersey. And I think we've got to do a better job job in messaging that. I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think that's really important and I, and I love the title of your book, Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, because I think that's really true right now. Let's talk about this. You've got this influx. So you've got people coming from you know, California, Illinois, the states you've mentioned. They're leaving in many reasons, in many ways, because of the policies, because of the liberal mm-hmm. policies, the things that are destroying their, raising their taxes through the roof, uh, homeless problems, all kinds of these issues that I believe were created by liberal policies. But they're coming to Texas. Uh, do, do you see that they may be, are there some of these people that just don't understand that the reason they left was because of those things and maybe it's not good to go to a new state and turn it into what you left? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because there's two types of uh, people that are, you know, migrating into Texas. You know, you have the the singular people that are making those decisions, say, I'm out of here, I can't take it anymore, and they realize why they're leaving. But then when you have these large businesses and corporations that are moving, such as Toyota North America picked up and and left California, has come to uh, Texas, Plano, Texas, right here in North Texas, I don't think they're doing a good job of explaining to their employees why they have made the decision to leave where they were and why they're coming here. And so the employees come in and they get into local communities and they vote just the same as they were back wherever. You look at Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, anyone will tell you it doesn't look like the capital of Texas. It looks like an extension of San Francisco. 
with the homeless mm-hmm. situation down there because of the poor leftist leadership. So I think it's time, not just here in Texas, but all across the country, for us as constitutional conservatives, Republicans, to go on the offense and put the uh, the, the left on defense. And when they talk about turning Texas blue, we need to you know challenge them and get them to define well, what do you want to turn Texas blue for? What does that mean? What does that mean for a policy aspect, the quality of life that we see here in Texas, the growth, the opportunity, and prosperity? So we've got to be more on the offense. That's what President Trump has done. I mean, with his policies, he has gone on the offense, on the attack, and he's not reacting to them. They're reacting to him. I love that. That's my favorite thing about President Trump is I have never in my lifetime watched the Republicans control the messaging, and this guy is able to do it. And I just I love that. I mean, Ronald Reagan, to some degree, was able to do that, but this guy completely does it. So I don't think there's anybody listening, Colonel West, right now that wouldn't love to see you leading the Republican Party. You seem to understand exactly why it's important to get somebody with strong leadership skills such as you have in there. So tell my listeners, can, is there a way for them to, to help you out? How can they help propel you to, to that seat? Well, first of all, if they have uh, Republican friends here in the state of Texas, uh, tell them to try to become delegates to our state convention so they can vote for the chairmanship. But our website is West, the number four, West4Texas.com, West4Texas.com. And they can be a part of this endeavor to keep Texas strong, keep Texas red, and push back the progressive socialism that's trying to get a foothold here. We don't want to see Texas go in the direction that the folks in Virginia woke up to in November 2019. Good point. Good point. Yes. Uh, talk about they always denied about uh, grabbing guns and confiscations. And, well, we see that that was never really true. So let's get into this. Can't let you go without talking about this. You and I have a mutual friend and uh, just a dear man in the great state of Arizona. He is running for LD1 in Arizona. His name is Quan Nguyen. And, uh, Colonel, this guy is the American dream. I mean, he loves this country, the things that he sacrifices for this country, and he really gets what America is all about. You have endorsed him. Tell tell me and my listeners, why have you endorsed Quan Nguyen for LD1 in Arizona? Because when you think about Quan Nguyen, it's the seminal difference between constitutional conservatism and progressive socialism. Constitutional conservatives believe in the equality of opportunity. We believe that no matter where you are born, no matter where you come from, with your own drive, determination, and will, you, can, you have the opportunity to rise to whatever level of success that you want in the United States of America. And government should be there to help you and set the conditions for that success. But that's the equality of opportunity. You determine your path. That's what they talk about with pursuit of happiness. The other side believes in an equality of outcomes, and that is totally un-American. So here is a young man who came here from Vietnam, and look at what he has been able to accomplish and achieve. And the fact that he has a daughter that is a midshipman at the United States Naval Academy, he he should be plastered all over the place. This is what America is about. You know, when Bernie Sanders opens his mouth, Mr. Quang uh, should be opening his mouth to say that, no, we refute that. We will not allow that to happen. So he is the embodiment of the American dream, just the same as, you know, a kid like me born in 1961 in a blacks-only hospital in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. But look at what I've been able to enjoy and, and what this country, has, the opportunities it has afforded me. Those are the type of stories that we've got to get out there. So that's why I support him and endorse him wholeheartedly. Oh, and, and that's great, and I know how much he appreciates and feels honored by that as well. Everybody check out Quan for Arizona.com, 
Quan4Arizona.com. We'll have that up on the website as well. So, Colonel West, one last thing before you go here. Where do you see us going forward here? A lot of people in panic here. How do you continue to campaign? How has this whole coronavirus thing changed the way you're campaigning? And, and what is your hope for when we get on the other side of this? Well, the hope for us getting on the other side of this is what America's always done. We get back on focus, we get back on track, and we continue the success that we were seeing. This is a, a temporary roadblock, an obstacle. Yeah, and we've had to change things because uh, with our campaign, a lot of the public speaking uh, events have been canceled. But guess what? I mean, we have means such as yours. We have uh, Skype. We, we have Facebook Live. We have all of these social media platforms that enable us to keep a one-on-one personal contact with the people that are out there. So that's what we're going to start leveraging because guess what? There's no March Madness, so people are sitting around at the houses. They're bored or whatever, and so we can continue to uh, be in touch with them. And I think that so many folks are looking for that calming uh, leadership that can, you know, sift through all the white noise that is out there and help them to get through these troubled times. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, please check out westfortexas.com. That's West for texas.com colonel allen west so great to have you back on the program and yes we will make sure it's not that long of a hiatus next time uh thank you so much for your time today all the best to you and anything we can do to help you out because i can't think of a better person to lead the republican party in the great state of texas thanks for your time and we'll do this again soon my friend god be with you thank you don all right, so that was my interview with Colonel Allen West. We did that here uh, earlier in the week on Wednesday. Uh, amazing guy. I mean, a 15-minute interview that you heard there, um, but had another 15 minutes uh, before, between before and after. So I uh, spent about 30 minutes with the, with Colonel West, and just an incredible guy. And, uh, of course, he is endorsing my dear friend, Mr. Quan Wynn. Uh, can check him out. It's quanforarizona.com, quanforarizona.com. So just uh, amazing stuff going on here. We've got some great people running for various political offices. Uh, I want to give a shout-out also to my friend in the first district in the great state of Pennsylvania, uh, Mr. Andy Meehan. Check him out. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on there, a lot of exciting stuff, trying to get rid of a rhino there. So, so many exciting races going on throughout this country, and uh, just great to be a part of some of them and, and do whatever I can to, to try to help out. That's what this is all about. So, and you guys help out as well. So by checking these guys out, you can, you can help them as well. You know, I, we've got to, as we wrap up the show here, we've really got to focus on this. We can never lose sight. And this is really the whole purpose of this show. At the end of the day, if you break it all down into uh, one oversimplified issue, it's the media. And it's, if you saw that press conference, you saw everything you needed to see. Richard Barris made some great comments on that. Where you can see that these people, they go in with an agenda. They're, they're furious that this guy is controlling the narrative. There's, uh, there's a poll out here. This just came out, and you can find this on theblaze.com. The Democrats are, are twice as likely to blame President Trump for the coronavirus than China they're literally blaming President Trump. They're twice as likely to blame President Trump for a virus that happened in China. These are the same people that called him racist because he was the first one to react and put in a travel ban in place that said, okay, let, let's stop all the flights in and out of China. Maybe, maybe we can start there. Maybe that's a good way to go here, which, as it turns out, it was indeed. Can you imagine where we would be today, what, what the numbers would look like? Today, had he not taken that bold action, that's something that most people, okay, 
This is an important thing to understand about President Donald Trump. Love him, hate him, I, I don't care. This is important to understand. Typically, and I don't care if it's a Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. Typically, a president doesn't do things that will hurt his election, could be seen as hurting his election chances. So so somebody like, I don't care if it was Obama, if it was Bush, if it was, I don't know, pick anyone. Maybe, maybe you got to exclude uh, Ronald Reagan on this, and that'd be about the only one I can think of because Bill Clinton would have done the same thing. So what they would do is they would say, okay, I'm thinking about banning travel in and out of China. Because there's a huge virus over there. It's killing people. We don't know what it is. We don't know how to treat it. We don't have test kits. We, we're not prepared for that. Nobody is. You can't be. It's something new. We weren't prepared for 9-11 either because we didn't think something like that could possibly happen. So a Bill Clinton, uh, like I said, George Bush, Barack Obama, they would have sat down and said, we're thinking about doing this. Then they poll test it, and they say, well, what does everybody think of it? Well, we think it's racist. Everybody thinks it's racist. They don't do it because it's about elections. It's about my next election. Well, I'm going to be up for election next year. This guy doesn't care. He just does it because he believes it's the right thing to do. But he's supposed to be the idiot. Now, speaking of idiots, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow claims that Trump will cost lives. She demands that networks stop airing his coronavirus briefings. Rachel Maddow demands that networks stop covering his press conferences. Now, I think I mentioned earlier that his approval ratings have been going up as a result of these press conferences. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that there's any connection between those things. And in fact, here, I've got a totally unrelated clip to the entire subject. He could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that is, the, that is yeah. our job. That is their job. That is MSNBC's job, and that is Rachel Maddow's job, to control what people think. I don't think that's what their job is. And let me just say one other thing. Okay, so I watch, I watch a lot of Fox News, a little less than I used to, but I still watch Fox News. They've never controlled anything that I think. So if you are the type of person that's sitting around listening to Rachel Maddow or uh, you can't listen to Chris Matthews anymore because he's toast, but, uh, but anyway – if you're the one who's sitting around and listening to that, if you're the ones who's sitting around listening to CNN tell us that China is the most compassionate country on the face of the earth, if they can actually control what you think, that's really scary. That's really scary because no media, I don't care who it is, I don't care if it's Rush Limbaugh, if it's John Hannity, if it's Fox News, I, I don't care. No media should ever control what you think. You should take this information, you should look at it, and I know you do, so don't get me wrong. You should take this information, you should look at it, you should process it through your own mind, and then you make a decision. That's how it works. But apparently on the left, it doesn't work that way, so Rachel Maddow is demanding, I demand that you do this, because folks, that's liberalism. So we watched this whole thing. The, the media this week, out of their minds, uh, really furious. Really, really furious that this guy is going up in the ratings. They can't understand it. 
Um, here, here's just another example of what we heard this week. Mr. Secretary, what, what message do you think it sends to other countries when you have the President of the United States lashing out at reporters? What kind of message does it send to other countries to see the President lashing out at reporters? Okay, let me field that one. Because here's what I think it says to the rest of the world and to the leaders of the rest of the world. I think it says, you probably don't want to mess with this guy. Um, He's probably, if you say something stupid, going to call you out on it. Um, He has a pair. Uh, I'll just leave it there. Uh, I think it says a lot of things. I think it says that America's under strong leadership. Um, I think it says that the president's not allowing the media to control what everybody thinks. So that's what I think it says to the rest of the world. I think the rest of the world leaders go, hmm, I should probably be a little careful in dealing with this guy. I probably may not want to say really super nasty things about him, and I may not want to lie about him. I think it says that to him as well. So that's, see, that's not what the media wants, though. The media wants the president to just roll over and say, you know what, I, I'm going to let you people control everything, including the messaging. That's the problem. This guy controls the messaging. They've never see, see, I say this a lot on the program. You've heard me say it a number of times. I have never seen a Republican able to control a liberal media narrative until this guy. So that's really what they're saying, is they're saying, we can't tolerate this, because they've also never seen a Republican control their messaging, because it's their messaging. It's their job to control things. Yeah. Sorry, there's a new sheriff in town, so there really isn't. Hey, I want to thank my guest, of course, Colonel Allen West. Absolutely fantastic to have him on the program again, and we will have him back again soon. Americans for Tax Reform, go to ATR.org. Check out Grover Norquist. He's the president of that organization. does a lot of great work, and always great to have him on. And, of course, my good friend, Mr. Richard Barris, peoplespunditdaily.com. Check him out today. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next Saturday at noon Eastern time for a brand new Don Smith show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.